This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Miles of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer and the Palatial 680 The Fan Studios. I'm Eric Quintana. Josh Bagrianski next to me and Sam Franco in front of me. Gentlemen, coming off a big win against DC United. Yeah. How are we feeling? How are we feeling today? Great. How's the week been? Great. Been great. I'm still recovering. I was you've, got a, a, you've got a new job. That's right. How's that going? That's right. It's going fantastic. Uh, designing some t-shirts out there. So, uh... We, uh, you know, are, are working on some things, and uh, let's just say that I'm very excited that maybe some Atlanta United products coming down the pipe. That would soon. be nice. I would love, uh, I would love some shirts, Sam. You know, no pressure, but feel free. <laughs> I spent my weekend in Charlotte crossing an item off my bucket list. I'm a huge Arsenal fan, and I got to go watch play no. them, watch them play live at Bank of America Stadium. It was amazing. Who's Arsenal? Right. Ha ha. Funny, funny, funny. <laughs> Anyways, everyone you meet, you oh, it's so great to meet another Gooner. And then slowly the conversation just spills into a depressing mess because of <laughs> where the club is. But it was awesome. Uh, and then uh, made it back for the Atlanta United game as well. So good. A ve- I-, I thought that was a very good result considering the 11 that Atlanta United put out. Oh, for sure. I, I think you came away. I Even throughout the match, even before Atlanta United scored, I still think that even had they come away with a 0-0 draw, I thought, man, that's that's one of the better performances I've seen from Atlanta United in the attacking sense against a team that bunkered. Um, I was going to ask Frank DeBoer, but I think someone beat me to it or, or the, the question kind of became irrelevant at that point um, about whether he felt that that match against DC United was against a team that bunkered essentially the entire time. It, it was one of the more positive matches um, given the context. Because I thought it was. I thought the only the only thing I wish I had seen is brand uh, is a uh, uh, Barco in for for Vasquez. Like, I feel like having someone else there up in in the middle of, of the mess that was the back line and and the the condensed midfield was someone that could really just play with the ball at his feet just a little bit better than Brandon Vasquez could. Someone that could uh, just hold up play just a little bit better than someone that could command that that area a little bit better than Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Not saying I mean Vasquez. Look, I don't think that's his forte. That's not going to be something he's going to be called to do every every match, or he should be called to do. That's just something. He, mm-hmm. That's just a position he was kind of thrusted into and um, did the best he could. Didn't look great, but and he did it is score what it a is. couple goals. I mean, I think what's interesting about this, and we talked about this on the radio show earlier, and you can listen uh, every week Wednesday, seven p.m. on Atlanta SportsX. I think that PT Martinez watching Brandon Vasquez play in that role where Frank DeBoer has consistently said to P.T. Martinez, you've got to get forward, you've got to get into the box, you've got to get into more dangerous yeah, positions. It was, like, it was a kick in the butt. He sits back yeah. and watches a player like Brandon Vasquez, who, no disrespect to, to, to Brandon, but he's he's not the player that P.T. Martinez is. Not even close. He watches a player like that go forward and have some success just from being in dangerous positions in the box and said, man, I could really do myself a favor by going and getting three or four easy goals uh, like I did against DC United and then the more difficult stuff that we expect from him, the the trickier uh, stuff, that he, more highlight reel stuff that he does will open up. Yeah, so, I think oh, more ahead, than yeah. anything with Vasquez, we, we just kind of discovered that he's a very limited player and yeah. he's playing out of necessity right now due to injuries and things like that but you know a fully healthy barco back and, and you know pity moving kind of back out to being that wide player i mean yeah brandon vasquez's opportunities are going to be way more few and far between uh you know with a healthier squad and look ultimately 
Um, you know, again, it's not a knock on him. It's just that he's, you know, very limited in some of the things that he can do. And when you're asking him to do a lot more than what might be required from his normal skill set, yeah, I mean, he struggled at times. It's he turned very, the ball over a lot. And he's a heavy touch yeah. guy. I mean, it's just one of those yeah. things where heavy he's touch not, guy. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I'm it is not, what it is. You're right. You're right. Um, look, Tito's a heavy touch guy, too. But, anyways, um, can we say. Got to get that shot in I there. Do. On Tito, I did. I had you? to. Got can we say this was the best 20 minutes or so of, of Pity Martinez in Atlanta United uniform? I don't necessarily know that because I think he's played. I, I think there was much more of a microscope on him for sure. that 20 minutes, and he definitely stepped up to the plate big time. But I don't necessarily know because I thought he was starting to play a lot better in that out wide role when Barco was playing as the number 10. Yeah, that, so He missed him. Yeah, and I, 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 I'll say this. He needed to have that twenty minutes for sure. Like, like at this point, because of everything that's happened, I think he definitely stepped in and, and really played well when the team needed him to. And I think as well, this whole situation with him and Frank DeBoer might have sort of woken him up a little bit. And also, the team. In when I say the team, I mean DeBoer and uh, Pitti and and really anybody around the team. They've they've handled it really well since the radio interview that that Pitti did. I think everything was handled in-house. I think, you know, there was probably a talk between the two where they both admitted they could have handled things better. And now they've moved on. And there wasn't really any discipline because, quite frankly, I don't think there was really a need for discipline in this Well, both parties, I mean, considering how bad it could have been i thought that both parties kind of handled it pretty well perfectly i mean because i mean died. it could have really yeah, it could have really gotten out of it hand it could have snowballed mm-hmm. it could have become something much bigger than it was but it didn't and now pity has come in played well in these 20 minutes so you know what we need to see now is the consistency yeah, well you and you know that it was handled well because a week later pt martinez was on the bench in place of brandon vasquez and yeah. didn't say a word and then came on and, and like you said eric i think from an impact standpoint definitely his best 20 minutes sure. of the season so I, I look at the 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 time that he did spend on the field and and obviously there's so much more to focus on than just pity but he's obviously that's the, all we talk about the biggest story uh, of 2018 or 2019 yeah. right now but the the so you look at the first goal the run he makes that's not a run he makes before this before before sunday that's what josh was saying too it's mm-hmm. like that's the, the, that's the, not a with 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 Frank DeBoer being like, dude, you gotta go, man. You got you got to be more aggressive. Get the power forward. of the note, man. The power the of note. the note. The note. Um, so yeah, you, 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 I think the note specifically said, you know, get in the box, get into uh, mm. more of an attacking role, get into. Basically, I feel like the message was, go score, dude. Go 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 do something effective. Yeah, we brought go. you here to. He attack. said he told go him when it. he went on to to, to yeah to yeah. Uh, to to make runs forward and. So, yeah, I mean, why would you to see him make a run like that? It makes me because this is like the mo- this is the the I want to say the most unselfish because I mean he again he doesn't play he doesn't make that run before before Sunday he doesn't he doesn't uh, uh, you know shield the ball and, and and play that pass to Martinez over the top very often that we've never seen both those moves we haven't seen from Pity Martinez we've seen him mess up the second one but we haven't seen him make that run into the box we haven't seen him take on you know attack a ball in the air we haven't seen him attack a ball I think period we've seen him. You know, try to defend if you want to call that a the run. Well, it's just not a style of play. Yeah, I, I, is not to defend it a lot, but he. I mean, the run he made he, when we were watching it before we went on the show, and you brought up Eric that it came from pretty deep, from well outside of the box. So, I mean, that's a big part of his game. And I know it sounds like it sounds crazy that it's that he hasn't really made that run all year. But think of one time that the ball. I mean, I can think of a I couple. Could, I, could, I could be wrong but, on that, but, but I, it's, it, it's, it it. it 
it, 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 I, I didn't believe it was How P.T. Martinez. How many times this year has the ball been squared across the face of goal to P.T. Martinez? Very, very few times. And and, and, and for a player that's playing... Honestly, anybody but Joseph, how many times has that happened? Yeah, you know but, but I mean? and there's got to be someone else to get into those positions. So, like, I mean, we saw Tito be that guy last season uh, and some other guys sharing the role. P.T. just has to be that player this yeah. year where you're going to have to... You know, it can't be just Joseph making runs into the box. He needs to come from somewhere. It's, it's funny, too, well. because when you're looking at that play, not ju- it wasn't just Pity doing something that is out of the ordinary for us as, as people watching the game. It's like, this is something he hasn't done before. Darlington Nagby started to do that, too, in getting forward, yeah. and that was a big part of the goal, too. Like, Nagby bursting forward into the box like that is not something we have seen and I'm not sure if that was a directive from DeBoer or not for him to be more aggressive. But, you know, obviously he scored his first goal a few games ago. And now he has this where this beautiful moment where he bursts into the box and is able to put in just a perfect cross. And luckily, you know, it, it was just two things that we're not used to seeing. But as fans have wanted to see these players be more aggressive in the attack and, and they're doing it. It's and, that it's so. that I mean that, that run starts from outside the box and it's that anticipation of that pass being there, of, of right. putting himself in a dangerous position. It's something again, we've seen him float around the eighteen yard box and, and seemingly he's not doing anything to, to really a, a, attack the ball. He, he's more in a passive role where he's waiting for the ball to come to him and then he's going to do something with the ball. This is him going to the ball. The other aspect of this is that uh, uh, this is, I think, the first time we've seen, and uh, someone correct me if there's a better moment of this, this is the first time we've seen, I think, Pity Martinez and Joseph Martinez in perfect sync. Mm-hmm. Where Pity knows what Joseph is going to do. Pity knows that Joseph is, is going to make that run. Pity knows that he can lob this over the top and Joseph's going to run onto it. Now, it benefits Atlanta United that DC's in a position where they have to get forward and they have to try to get one to, to, to equalize. But nonetheless, we haven't seen Joe. I don't think we've seen Joseph and Pity in sync like that all season. So it was far. vision and, and decisiveness that we haven't seen from Pity in terms of making that kind of pass. You know, the ability to see that Joseph was in a very good position. The defenders were very vulnerable at that time. And for him to kind of make that decision quickly, that's one of the things that we've sort of had a knock. Not, I mean, Barco was a guy who we knocked last season for not being quick enough in his decision-making. I think Pitti has kind of absorbed a little bit of that too, not necessarily making these decisions quickly enough. And that was one where it had to be made in the exact instance because of the you know, possibility of Joseph being offside, but the ball was played in a perfect onside position to Joseph. So again, it's that vision and and decisiveness and quick decision making to do that. Yeah, I agree. And, and if you look at the game as a whole, because I think this is when we talk about the Joseph PT connection, that wasn't there for the last twenty minutes. I think I don't understand the credit. I mean, there was the team was getting raked over the coals in the first 65, 70 minutes, and. But you I didn't they played well. Yeah, and you didn't have that connection on the field between PT and jo- whether that has worked this season or not. Brandon Vasquez and Joseph Martinez is not the no, connection of a, no, of, a no. P, uh, of, of a PT and a Joseph. And you're playing Miram at left wing back where he's never going to play again. You're playing against a team that's bunkering and and have some very good counterattacking talent as as we saw. I mean, with Acosta, Ariola, and Rodriguez, you know that can really expose you when you kind of push up the pitch and, and get caught forward. Handled that, uh, the possibility of the counterattack very well. Controlled possession. Uh, Hamid made two huge saves in the first half. And look, you, you just I don't think it was realistic to expect Atlanta United to create a ton of quality chances against a good DC United defense that was not 
showing any attacking onus when you're not playing your two most creative players in Barco and Pizzi Martinez. I mean, the list goes on and on. Well, I, you I said, don't understand. I don't understand why people thought it was such a poor performance up to that point. See, I don't think it was. You had to, you, you really tested Bill Hamid. How how, yeah. how many big saves did he come up with? Well, in the first half, two huge ones, yeah. and then there were. I mean, like there there was a moment where Vasquez probably you should have done better, where Nagby probably should have done better. You didn't have the attacking quality that you wanted in the last third, but you were getting into dangerous positions enough where I think the performance was decent. And two, based on who you had on the pitch, you couldn't really expect so much attacking quality that you were going to create opportunities against a back five. Right. So I, I actually uh, uh, give credit to Frank DeBoer and Elaine United. They almost forced. I want to say almost too much, but I I, I like the idea of, of almost forcing things into the middle of the of, of the attacking third, so you weren't so yeah. dependent on on you know, lobbing cross into the box against the monsters of, of center backs for DC United. Um, it's I was I was happy to Monsters. see that again. That's the one. That's the one area of this of this match where I was like I, I would have loved to see Barco there, even pity because yeah. Well, just pity. I think still has approved that aspect of, of of his game, but Barco, at least we've seen that he can in those tight spaces hold the ball and and, and right. distribute and do something. Um, pity, I think, at least for me, still has approved something in that specific realm of the game with Elaine. But United. we know that he has the ability right. to he do. It. Certainly has mm-hmm. the ability. But but the the that Frank DeBoer and Elaine United decided they were going to attack because again, DC United has been pretty pretty clear that what they're going to do is force Elaine United outside. But essentially, every time they've played, force Elaine United outside and just lob crosses into the box. Um, as often as they can, so that wasn't the case with this. They created a bunch of opportunity. Yeah. They forced Bill Hamid to make some 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 great saves. Um, you had some incredible incredible good uh, good luck and, and good 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 uh, good goalkeeping from Brad Guzan to kind of keep it nil nil going into you the, know the first the half. Final DC had a couple of so. chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it could and that could have fully changed the momentum of the game and it could have really been a downer for Atlanta United if if that goes if either of those chances go in, but. You know, as 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 much as people have been down on Brad Kuzan about uh, the last couple of matches where you know you've let in a million goals over the last three matches, something like that. It's it's good to see him step up in those moments to yeah. to keep Atlanta United to keep the momentum on Atlanta's side. To, you know, because I mean that we've seen that play out before, right. where Atlanta United with all the possession gives up a counter. There there goes all the momentum. Now you got to rebuild all that all that energy, rebuild rebuild the uh, the the uh, the the attack. Um, and and on top of that, you're down a goal. Thankfully, that didn't happen here. I, I was happy with the overall performance. Yeah, even, I, even had it gone to, I, I would have been happy with the result. Had it gone to a draw, but especially I with been, the missed penalty. <laughs> sure, yeah, I, I would have been happy with the with the with how the attack came about. And with, you know, I would have I would have come in here and said, "Look, you were something that never happens." That Joseph mm-hmm. Martinez missed penalty away from getting three points against a yeah. very good team. And I think when you compare the first half to the second half, it's and talk about DC bunkering. A lot of that was Atlanta United forcing them back, controlling the game. I don't think Ben Olsen came necessarily into the match with the intentions of sitting back. He still started Paul Ariola, Lucas Rodriguez, Luciano Acosta, three like pretty good attacking players that can help you counter. Well, I think and it ended up. He thought he was going to have Rooney. Right, that's true. That's true. But I think when Rooney's when Rooney's gone, I don't think you necessarily start in that shape with those three. uh, If you're looking to completely sit back, so in the first half, it didn't look like as much of kind of a out and out bunker. In the second half, it did, and I think a lot of the reason that is that Atlanta United controlled the game to the point where Ben Olsen said, "All right." We've got to get behind the ball, or, the, or, we're, or we're going to concede. Uh, so you have to give a lot of credit to a a, a very, very much uh, thrown together Atlanta United eleven in attack, in particular, for 
forcing DC United's hand and forcing a very good team to to basically say okay. And I know Wayne Rooney wasn't there, but you forced them to say, okay, we just got to get behind the ball and try to hold on for nil-nil. Yeah, and I also think they were trying to break down that bunker, you know, really well in terms of uh, getting a lot of the uh, passes from the wings. I mean, again, we know that Miriam isn't going to be playing left wing back very often, but I thought he and Gressel both were doing pretty good at, at trying to get balls in because... That's one of the things you got to do against a bunker. Sometimes you can't attack them through the middle. You know, you got to get the ball into the box somehow. And I think they did a pretty good job, all things considered, uh, doing that. It just again, uh, they weren't, they just weren't putting the final product together until late in the game. And like I said, I don't think like. I don't know why that was so unexpected for some people where you're starting two players in positions that they'll never play again. Uh, right. Miram said, I've never played left wing back in my life. And I don't think Brandon Vasquez is one to drop deep underneath Ooh, the striker and start. No. I mean, so I, I, the expectations were maybe too high, and that's why you've got to be thrilled, I think, with the end result. This this is a match where Frank DeBoer could have easily used the excuse of, well, everyone's injured. I got to play Pity. I got to play. I got to. I got to play Barco, um, in one way or the other. I, I I'm glad one he didn't play Barco because of how physical that game was. I think that was pretty clear early on that that again I call the WWE soccer. I think for most of the first half because of how how aggressive both yeah, teams were. And I you know what props up to both teams for Atlanta United and DC United for not letting that get out of hand. Yeah, they, the, they the, was, the, there were there were certain moments in the first half where I was like, "Oh man, this could be really ugly." I I didn't think it was going to end with 22 guys on the field. It was all professional mm-hmm. fouls. Or like, I mean, it didn't seem like it got overly chippy. It was just physical. Yeah, really physical. And so props to Frank DeVore for not playing uh Barco when he absolutely could have. Uh, props for Frank DeVore for not playing Pity uh, when he absolutely had clearly, every reason, every excuse to to play Pity. Because on Wednesday against Houston last week, it was like, okay, he's off of the three, four-day rest from Seattle, and he played pretty well in that Seattle mm-hmm. match. And then he keeps him on the bench again, and you realize this is a little more tactical than just squad mm-hmm. rotation, and that r- clearly sent the message loud and clear with P.T. Martinez. This is the second game we see the three five two. I believe this is the second game. Yeah. So yes, how, Houston was the first. Yeah. Now we we yeah, that's it's mainly because we have no left back right now. But how do we feel about the three five two overall? It's a big question. I mean, I've been a huge proponent for the three five two starting last May when we first saw it. I think it suits even with Miguel Miranda. I think it suits the roster you have right now because you have you know Julian Gressel at right wing back. That's his best position on the pitch. I think P.T. Martinez playing underneath a Joseph Martinez, that removes the defensive responsibility that you were just talking about earlier, Eric. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Barco can play as that kind of highest attacking midfielder because he shares a lot of the qualities with Miguel Almiron where he can go box to box. He can come back and make defensive recoveries. And then, of course, you have, we already know based on this season and certainly last year that defensively you're a little bit more solid in the back three, back five. So I just think it puts, just like last year, it slides guys into their best spots. It probably leaves Tito as the odd man out if he gets back healthy. And and it also allows you to be a little more solid defensively. That being said, I don't want to get married to the three five two at this point. And we've seen three four three earlier this season. Uh, is, is it specifically because of who, who Atlanta United plays next? <laughs> or is that more reason to I, stick, I stick in the five, three, just, uh, three five two? So, and, and this is the same thing I said last year. I think you play both formations, see what works best for you. It makes you incredibly hard to to prepare for if you can play a back three or a back four, uh, or if you can switch uh, in the in the in the middle of the second half to a back three uh, or a back four. Very difficult to deal with uh, for the opposition. And uh, you know, I, 
when you get to the postseason, then you probably see which one you're going to ride with. But I, I like the three five two, like I said, because I think the personnel fall into place. I didn't like the three four three earlier in the season because you're only playing the two center midfielders as opposed to the three. That player was Emerson Hindman. He's the third midfielder in a three five two. Um, but you you got to kind of wait, I think, wait and see which one is going to be best because we mentioned this on the radio show, guys. If you play a 3-5-2, you have a lot of decisions to make. Tito probably can't play. Then you have to choose between uh, uh, maybe sitting Heinemann, who's been so good in that mm-hmm. position that Barco is going to slide into, or do you play Barco underneath the striker and sit PT? I mean, you, there's a potential. A lot of your creative attacking talent has to sit on the bench. So I'd like to see uh, 4 2 3 one 4 3, three employed as well. Frank DeMore specifically talked about how, you know, is when, in regards to Pity, how he needs to make his job difficult in terms of who he starts and uh, who he chooses for the starting 11, um, who he plays, who he doesn't play. Um, I think that obviously Sunday night was a great first step. I think Sam, you already hit it. Consistency is key mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, it's a great twenty minutes, but you know what can you do consistently over the course of ninety is what really is going to get to me. Like I, I, as down as I've been on pity, this is the first time I'm like, all right, I, I've got hope now. Because according to you, I've got some hope yeah. now. According He's to the Eric, worst he was ever. and he was yeah. never going to play. He was going yeah. to get benched after his comments that we went on about a couple yeah, of weeks freezing ago. Freezing cold so. takes need to come back on that one. The blame Eric train might have helped us on that one. Let's be real before we've seen history play that 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 goal. You're right. You're right. A completely different direction. But again, this wasn't really like a disciplinary thing, though. Like for me, this was more of just pity was up. I mean, I I think honestly, what happened here is Frank DeBoer might have like realized, you know, because he's a he's a pretty pragmatic guy. I think maybe behind the scenes he might have realized, yeah, I probably shouldn't have called the kid out. And then not went and mm-hmm. talked to him. Like I think Pity. I mean, uh, and the same know, time Pity was like, I probably Pity probably realized too. I could have done this better. So that's what I'm talking about. When they went together and talked, they buried the hatchet very quickly, very professionally, and moved on from. So it. did we chalk this up to? I'm 99 percent sure that Tata is staying in Atlanta United. Is it, is that the, is it the same <laughs> level? Of, of, <laughs> well, you didn't. You actually said 99 percent sure that time. So you didn't say that this time. So I, I, I said I'll he was. Up. I said I don't think he's gonna. I, I, right. Eric's I was defense, sure that was Eric's it. defense. I, I was is, sure that was it for Well, I wasn't totally sure. I was only 99. Because again, I've, we've seen that in sports in general, and yeah. that never ends well. No, well, and I think for the player, one of the things we did say, um, and obviously we just want to lambast Eric whenever we can. But yep. uh, you know, being. A little more. Uh, Give people the hashtag. Go ahead. Hashtag blame Eric for yep. those that don't know. Someone made a sign. Uh, there's a sign, the sign floating around Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So we, I love that. I gotta find that sign. Get a photo with it. Um, now nah, I forgot what I was talking about. Ninety-nine <laughs> <laughs> percent sure thought that was staying. Anyways, so so uh, Frank DeBoer talked about how uh, man I had something smart to say too. I bet. Pity <laughs> uh, needs to make his job difficult. This obviously is is a good first step for uh, Pity Martinez. Um, and it leads to discussion of, of did you remember? Yes, I oh. want to speculate about something. Okay, so it was handled behind the scenes, right? It was weird to us that PT sat against DC United when he was fully fit. Maybe Frank DeBoer said, "I'm going to start you against Seattle. It's a big game. We need you, but it will be way too much. You know, we, I've got to do something. But obviously, it'll be too much distraction in the media if you're sitting the next game. I'll sit you for Houston." Because it'll appear like squad rotation, and then you, DC United is the one where you're really going to take your quote unquote punishment. Speculation, man. Do you think coaches really and players, for that matter, really care what 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 
care that much what's being said in the media like I that? I think more because it become a distraction for I'm the team. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just wondering if I that's... I think the South American press would go crazy after that. You know, Some if he players was are more benched the next game, oh, they're not getting along. So, because I thought it was so weird to me that he sat behind Brandon Vasquez... Uh, in a match where he was fully healthy, fully rested, had a, you know had a week off, so it might have been unspoken discipline, or maybe he maybe. just yeah, or explained to him like I still I've got to do some yeah, and I don't know, but maybe he said because it was so weird to me he was sitting in that mat that he didn't start. Maybe he's just was saying, look, we're going to rest you for Houston. That was kind of always the plan, but if I drop you right away for Seattle, it's going this circus is going to blow up times a hundred. Well, here's a thought: maybe Frank is. You know, smarter than the average bear, so to speak, and realize that <laughs> knows how to handle the media. Well, I'm just a <laughs> knows how to handle the media, and B knows how to handle his players. Maybe he kind of saw. Maybe if I do start Brandon in this game, it will light a fire under pity. I mean, if that's the case, it worked. Yeah, and 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 you know, what, one of the things we said was we're going to be able to tell how this situation is resolved based on his on-field performance. We're not obviously we're not going to speculate. Well, well, I just did speculate. What am I talking about? But we're not going to say <laughs> we're not going to say this is definitely what happened behind the scenes. But we're going to have a better idea of what happened behind the scenes based on his play. And despite the fact that he sits two matches in a row behind Brandon Vasquez, you see him come off the bench with a lot of enthusiasm. That kind of new element to his game, like you we're talking about, getting into the box. So, I mean, I, I think that we've seen, even though we don't know what specifically was said, quite clearly this was handled very well behind the scenes. So the the, the thing that gives me hope for pity with Atlanta United is, one, the, the 20 minutes that we see out of them. That, that gives me like something to build off of. I feel like I, did, I hadn't seen enough of, of yeah, cause you're, his contribution. You're not sold yet. I heard not, you not, talking about this not earlier. Not 100%. You're, you are not sold on PT. So this is... This is, uh, this is so I need to see more of this twenty minutes over the course of a ninety-minute match consistently. Yeah, God, just number one, which asking and asking and asking. No, for but things, I mean, like, man. let's Come be on. real. This is twenty minutes we're talking about. This is twenty minutes. Never good enough. Two for moments for Pity Martinez, and two moments that happened real close to each other. So, let, if you look at the whole season and you, and 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 you want to focus on these two moments, that's a bad way of looking at uh, Pity's career so mm-hmm. far with the yeah. United. Now, if you want to. Forget about the past and look at pity these last twenty or these twenty minutes for pity and then move forward. Fine, let's that's that's something you can build off. That's something you can you can say. Okay, well, this is how he did contribute. This is the first time we've seen. I think we've seen, uh, or at least that I can remember, Joseph and 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 pity in sync. Like we've never like we saw mm-hmm. Anmiron and Joseph mm-hmm. in sync last year. Um, this is the first time we've seen him attack the ball versus him be, be much more passive. That those are two things to 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 build off of. Those are those are great moments for pity that that you can. Uh, that's something he can aspire to do more of. Mm-hmm. So let me. Uh, and he's seen it. And he's done it. And he knows what it feels like. And he knows. Uh, uh, you know, he's got a better idea of maybe what. Right. It's supposed to look like if that was an issue. I don't disagree. I mean, I think he, he obviously needs to be more consistent. And and we've said it all year. I mean, regardless. I mean, there have been people saying, you know, that he's lazy and things like that, which I think is way over the top. But we all agree he needs to play better. But I I think that we saw flashes of this before those last twenty minutes. I thought absolutely. If he went back to the St. Louis Open Cup match, and granted, it was. St. Louis, coached by Tony Pulis' son, parking the bus, but he played well in that match, (laughs) and then he played well in that Seattle match where basically everybody else was poor on the field. So you said Tony Pulis' son with like such disdain. Well, how could you say Tony Pulis' name in a positive light? I mean, I like soccer, and he doesn't. He likes to (laughs) play a ten zero zero formation. Tangent. Yeah. Anyways, I like soccer. He doesn't. Yeah. Can you went on at Stoke on a Tuesday night? But anyways, so. I think the, 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 the big thing is this was coming with PT, right? In my opinion, I think when I looked at the St. Louis match, and obviously it was not, like I said, not great comp, but 
He played well against Seattle in a match where no one else on the pitch played well. So I, I, I think it's been a little more than this 20 minutes. I think the consistency has started to come in over the last 250 minutes or so that he's played. So I, this is the biggest flash, I'd say. Yes, of, absolutely. Of what, of what he's been able Without to show. I mean, you get a goal and assist, yeah. Exactly. The end product is there. Um, and I'm not saying he needs to, you know, a goal and assist every match. But what I need to say, what I need to say is him, him uh, contribute a little more than I think he's contributed in the past in creating dangerous opportunities. And again, I'll, I'll repeat it just because these are the two moments I can think of. Um, in in being and clearly being in sync with Joseph Martinez. And look, the, the thing I love is that the players are clearly behind him. You, you look at Joseph's reaction; oh, it's like yeah. their best friends. The and stuff I, with Miram after that's, the match. That's, that's the other thing that I love that that gives me hope about Pity Martinez is that the players clearly haven't yeah. given up on him. I don't think the fans have given up on him. Given up on him based no, on the reaction of, of his uh, substitution. So I, it, it gives me. I'm, again, I'm not completely sold on him now, but I'll definitely backtrack the. I, I have mm-hmm. no idea how he fits his team thing. I said, you know, a month ago. Hashtag backtrack, Eric. Uh, hey, look, opinions change. Yeah, no, opinions no, change. of course, of course. And look, he still he still technically does have to prove that he can do this regularly. I totally agree. I totally Flashes agree. Flashes every other game, every third game. That's not going to do it. That's not enough to pay what you paid for Pity Martinez and, and justify that amount. You got to do it on a consistent basis. You got to be able to show that that you yourself, the the whatever million dollar man, is is one worth the money and two it is going to be a game changer for this team. You're not replacing Alvino. You're not going to do that. But you still have to contribute in a way that you you change the game, that you change uh, the way other teams look at you. And he doesn't do that now. In these twenty minutes, he he, he did. Mm-hmm. Teams all of a sudden had to be like, "All right, well, where's pity for yeah. twenty minutes? Let's see how that works out over the course of ninety games on a regular basis." I got sidetracked yeah. because is. But can he do it on a Tuesday night in Stoke like the dumbest thing a soccer coach has ever said? <laughs> and it has to do with Tony Pulis, so <laughs> you know it it's, under his you know it, anything to do with such. Stoke is dumb. There's a reason they're referred to as the Orcs. But uh, uh, <laughs> can he do it on a Tuesday night? At Stoke? Yeah, but um, and uh, PT did it on a Tuesday night in Kennesaw, and that's what kicked off this great form. Absolutely, I think Tony Pulis and his son. It all w- comes full circle. We're gonna learn a lot more. Uh, you know, when we talk about, is this coming from him Friday against LAFC? Top, I mean... A big match for him, for I mean, sure. That's because, a big I mean, match for the... T- yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, there are a lot of players on Atlanta United who need to prove that it's still a championship caliber roster. Before we... before we, uh, and I'm not, This is not necessarily diverting to LAFC, but can we talk about the PK miss for Joseph Martinez? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh. Because that was... Whew, how many people were like... Poop in their pants. Have at you that seen point. the one? There's, I was furious. There's a. Uh, I was a little. I, I was. I was upset. But look, the hop, and uh, I. I. I think you tried to convince me on the radio show that it wasn't a nor, uh, an abnormal hop for Joseph. But that was. Uh, he was on a trampoline. No, it was a higher was, hop. He was, than he was on a trampoline. That I think was that, a very much a exaggerated hop. The fact that I think the fact that he seemingly hasn't done it, and I. I don't have the numbers in front of me. How often? I just. I don't remember him doing it. Maybe but once this season so far. And I don't know how many PKs he's actually no, taking this year. Yeah. But the point is, is that he hasn't done it in a while. I feel like he over-exaggerated that jump, thinking that that, that was the that's how it was supposed to look. I, mean, I do keep seeing this in our comments. I mean, should the kick have been retaken? I mean, technically, yeah, but come on. I mean, how bad? No, is he, he, mean, was all, he was off his he line. He was off the line. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for equality, so I say yes. The kick should have, should have been retaken. <laughs> I'm just saying. How nice of you. Oh. I forgot about that with the Women's World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, ultimately, I, I don't care that he missed it because 
They 13, won the game. Thir- yeah, thirteen out of fifteen. That, I mean, that's that's as that's as automatic as automatic. as a, as a, as a, as a and, good, really good free thrower. So. And despite what Taylor Twelman wants to tell us, that it's so easy, you just you know, stay, you, I don't know why people think it's so easy to Off say. Hop on and goal, Taylor. We would have made on. as many, and it worked. I mean, I know it was an exaggerated hop, and the execution wasn't great. Bill Hamid went the wrong way. Well, Twelman's he, great. Joseph just missed the frame of goal. <laughs> Twelman's great because I thought he was so good calling El Trafico the other night. And then, you know, from what I've heard from this game, it's like... I like Twelman, but yeah, I thought that was a weird... You could spend the entire time crapping on a player. The guy scores the game-winning goal, and he finds a way to talk about how he's been amazing the entire game. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, I mean, he, he can flip that on a dime. When yeah. Zlatan scored that first goal in El Trafico, I thought he was going to, like, nominate Zlatan for, like, <laughs> king of the world. Yeah, like, they, I mean, they, he love, was they love when Zlatan scored. But I was glad that, you know, there wasn't a huge backlash about the missed penalty, except from people who maybe hadn't seen that's how he takes a lot of his pens that he makes them because we've Zach always Klein. talked about it <laughs> well Zach Klein, call, call Zach Zach Klein, Klein. Has he seen. literally just came up in the comments right when you said that Zach that was Klein. really weird for me yeah so yeah Zach Klein who is a local <laughs> guy out, buddy and, and of course fantastic coverage from him but you should know better because you make all of those and we've always talked about it, right he's gonna miss one eventually and when he does it's gonna look really silly because he's gonna do the hop thing and miss and it's gonna look silly and say, you, you gotta take him to miss him to his credit that is pretty much what he said but he made it seem like he's oh, yeah. made every single right. one and no, I'm like, I mean, he hasn't taken it like that pretty much that all season. penalty so. has went semi-viral. It was like, you won't believe this penalty yeah. missed, but I'd like to show those other people the seven or eight all exactly the other that, that he makes. made. Yeah, and absolutely. the two that Joseph missed are LA Galaxy last year and then this one. LA Galaxy last year was off the post, and this one's over the over the goal. So neither the keepers, of which really affected the score. Yeah, so the, uh, keep, the outcome and that that also. So the keepers have not saved any of his penalties. They're not getting anywhere close to it. The hop works. The hop works. Well, the hop works for Joseph. Prop to the hop yeah. most don't, of the time. Don't try that at home, kids. Hashtag prop to the hop. Yeah, if one of my players tries a hop penalty, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cutting him on the spot. If any of you hear that, you're a cut on the spot if you hear do that, that to Josh's me. Josh's players, try the hop. <laughs> yeah, I remember Prop one, to the hop. I remember one time a coach pulled me out of a Little League baseball game because I tried to make the catch. You know how Andrew Jones used to really like nonchalantly just throw his glove up, yeah. like not use the other hand to guide it in? I tried to do that and like the ball dropped and I don't think I played for like a week. Oh, yeah. That'll happen. Um, no, so the the other point I wanted to make with the PK is that, look, that happened uh, 70th minute, I believe, 71st minute. That could have easily taken the wind out of the sails of, of Atlanta United and all the momentum. It kind of did for like 10 minutes it after that. T- it definitely took it out of the crowd. Say, I was going to sure. say, it, it, it took the wind out of it for a minute, and then I think the team rebounded well. So, yeah, to overcome, that's the one thing I like to see out of that, to not, one, not give up a goal right after that, because that really would have done it mm-hmm. in. Um but to overcome that miss, to, to to get over it, the fact that you didn't see Joseph really overly Sulk. frustrated, which, yeah. yes, exactly, sulk, um, which, not that he does often, but he does do it. He does sulk sometimes. And he had a couple chances in the first half saved. I mean, he, he there really was a lot of reason down. to be frustrated. Yeah. He really yeah. could have been down. And so to, to get over that, to, to, to overcome that adversity, um, and to ultimately come away victors, that... That's great. Second place for Atlanta United, 36 points. Uh, Philadelphia Union win first place with 39. I think uh, Atlanta United has got a game in hand on uh, the Union. Yeah, they do. So, look, Atlanta United's got a tough stretch of games. you got to get 
We've got the two LA teams yeah, coming up in the next two yeah, weeks. How great would a would a draw be this weekend? I'll take a draw, and the, the I'll performance. Go, I'll take. I'll take just. Uh, I'll take anything they that we can get. Look, you have to accept. Games. I mean, even I think if Atlanta United were playing at their full capacity, going to LA to play LAFC, you're you're not going to be the favorites. I mean, even even if you are playing the way that we if expect it, them to, LAFC are that good and they're playing at home. If anything, you could see a complete reversal of how Atlanta United played against DC United, where Atlanta United's the one bunkering and LAFC is. It that's him. what I'm going to look for, right? So if you if you if we see a three five two in this game, or and it turns into a back five, LAFC or dictate, and basically you see Gressel and whoever the left wing back is, God knows Parkhurst, whoever. You see those players forced all the way back alongside the three center backs, and all three center mids push back. You, you are you are being forced back into a shell by LAFC. We could even see it as early as an hour before with the lineup. If it's if it's if Heinemann's not in for whatever reason, that's going to be more, the big one to look for. If it's more Lorenowitz, Nagby, and and uh, and uh, and Eric Rometty, yeah, I mean that that'll tell you right there that they they probably this is the game where I wish that's a good point. I wish Tito Vijadabo was healthy because I feel like it's going to be that open where he could. Very well run on the ball. Wide open. You can play balls over the top to him, especially spread, if you're sitting back. Exactly. Yeah. Spread the game out a little bit. Spread out LAFC uh, because look, they, they Atlanta. I don't think is <clears throat> it's safe to say they have not played. Uh, maybe Monterrey. Uh, yeah, Monterrey. No. Well, I don't know. You haven't said what you're talking about. So, yet, so. Uh, a team with this kind of a, sorry, a team with this kind of what's he doing? A team with this kind of attack. I was confused. He was like looking at me. I'm like, I don't know who drawing me to say. What am I about to say? A team this tough in terms of attacking prowess, in terms of guys that that can that can that have a lot of a skill on the ball oh, in the yeah. final third. LAFC is that team. So I ate, outside of Monterrey, I don't know who who else they played. LA United in their history. Have played that have been have that matched up against what LAFC is right now. I mean, this is other than Monterrey. This is. This is the second best side you've played in my in in the regular season, in my opinion, without a doubt. I oh, mean, yeah. you look at what LAFC are doing. I mean, they yeah they've won one of their last three, but those two losses they've only had one loss the rest of the year. So I mean, they're, they're a really really strong team. And I want to go back to what you mentioned with the midfield, uh, Eric, and t- trying to talk about like read the tactics when we what they're going to be when we see the eleven come out. A big one is who are the three center midfielders going to be because it could be I think we could Nagby and Rometty is pretty it's, pretty it's safe. Really the the, the discussions between the runner with Who's the other one going to be or Barco? Or Barco. So you could if if you see if you see I, would you expect him to start though? I would not expect it. Okay. No. And and if he does, then I think it's more of a four back and he's playing out wide it, as opposed to I think to the possibility the is there for him to if, start yeah, though, I was because say, if you, he didn't if, if the plan was to get him minutes against DC and it didn't happen. Yeah. That tells me that he's yeah. fit enough to play. Maybe so. he can't go ninety, but he goes sixty or yeah. seventy. Yeah, Frank DeBoer did say that the plan was to get him 15, 15 20 minutes uh, against DC United, but the game was just too physical mm-hmm. that he didn't want to risk. Right. You know, so if you happening. if you see Barco starting as 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 the center mid, uh, that would be in front of Nagby and Rometty. That to me would mean okay. We're, Frank DeBoer is going to try to go for this. He's going to try to attack. It's going to yeah. be a wide open game. If you see uh, Laurentowitz. Oh, as gosh. that third, would, that would mean Laurentowitz and Rometty probably sitting, and Nagby is the highest center Pushed mid, and he's going to play much deeper. Obviously, that means you're probably going to play a little more defensively. Well, if you, you see say that, but we have seen Nagby push forward. Absolutely, recently, so maybe, absolutely. You know. But it's more the combination of the three. It's the, the, the triangle. It's, it's, it's basically yeah. deciding what the, high, the, the 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 highest point of the triangle midfield is going to be. And if it's Emerson Hindman, then it's kind of a little bit of an in between because he can come back and get the ball, but he's also a guy that can get forward and distribute to the guys going forward. So. Depending on the center midfield trio, and it's good. We I think again we assume Nagby and Rometty, but do you see Laurentowitz? That means it's going to be super falling into a shell with Nagby as your highest midfielder. If it's going to be Heinemann, 
with Nagby and uh, Remedi behind them, that's going to be kind of more of a neutral uh, plan of attack. And if it's Barco in front of those two, that means it's uh, YOLO. Let's let's go after it and, and let's <laughs> let's 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 win a five four match. So I just want to know how I can watch this game with the Max Bredos call. Yes. Oh, yeah. Is that what? Yeah. Is the worst goal call of all time. <laughs> um, in case you've missed what LAFC has done so far this season, 21 matches played, 14 wins, 4 draws, 3 losses, 55. Give him that, give him that goal difference. 55 goals, 4, 20 against. What on earth? That's a 35 goal differential. Plus 35. On, on 46 points on the season. They're, They'd be they're, scoring, yeah. What? It'd be a shock if they didn't win Supporter Shield. Uh, to give you an idea of who has... Who's next in terms of goal differential? It's a tie between Atlanta United and NYCFC. Huh. And those can't be that high, can What are those? Ten apiece. Plus ten. Wow. So wow. we're talking about a difference of twenty uh yeah, <laughs> twenty-five goals. Yeah, parity so they're one of the better for LAFC. <laughs> they're one of the better defensive teams. And look, they've given up the least amount of goals uh in the league. Yeah. So not only are they really good in scoring, they're also good at defending. So they have I don't know if they face a team like Atlanta United that at least on paper is one of the better defensive teams in the league, so we'll see how that pans out. And again, you know their kryptonite is Zlatan, so maybe Atlanta can find a way to channel their inner Zlatan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Maybe Zlatan broke LAFC. <laughs> we we will fingers not, crossed, right? That's what I'm saying. Like maybe his just like life force absorbed LAFC after he scored a hat trick on them. And that would be nice. Them. That would be nice, but one thing, I, maybe their confidence will be low, but those guys are going to come out on fire. I mean, they're embarrassed yeah, about I what happened, I think, yeah. uh, against the Galaxy. And, and then the way that Zlatan talked all that crap and then delivered on oh, them. Yeah, you I, know mean, I mean, that's embarrassing. Classic no Zlatan. Yeah. So if I'm LAFC and then your very next match is at home against the defending champs on national television on Friday night, you've been circling these two weeks on your calendar mm-hmm. for a long time, and you got embarrassed uh, last week. So LAFC... I mean, hopefully they'll be low on confidence, like you said, but they're going to come out really looking to k- take the game to Atlanta United. And we've talked, uh, one thing for Atlanta United has been conceding early goals, not having Cannot focus in here. the first five minutes. If you come out unfocused against this team, you will be very lucky not to be w- down one, even two goals early on, because they are that good going forward with a Carlos Vela and a, and, and a Diego Rossi. The environment that Atlanta United are also walking into is typically an environment that they uh, that favors Atlanta United. That's, that, and that's not going to be the case uh, at LAFC, where their environment... Rivals, some would argue, is even better than Atlanta United's. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they handle the situation. We'll see how they handle the environment. We'll see how they handle going up against uh, the the goal scoring leader in, in Carlos Vela. Um, look, there's a again. I'll I'll say it. This is the this is certainly the best MLS team Atlanta United has faced in their history. And I don't know that this is necessarily the. Well, I can, I can say for a fact that this is not the best Atlanta United side we've seen. Um, over the course of the two and a half years, so you're saying this is the best team Atlanta United's ever played in the league? Oh, for sure. I think I think so. For I mean, sure. And I think a lot of that has to do to, with, I was with to the do fact that, that I think, uh, LA, I think yeah. LAFC right now is what the Red Bulls want I mean, to be. Maybe go and back yeah, to Toronto. I, you see how we struggle against the Red Bulls. They just the the, the difference between Red Bulls and, and LAFC. I, I understand there's massive difference. Well, and maybe strength. you go back to Toronto in 2017. But the, uh, really, it's a trend. I, I, but what I'm talking about is just style of play in general. Because oh, okay. the way mm-hmm. that LAFC is going to come out and try to press Atlanta United, that's a lot like what what the Red Bulls like to do. But on top of that, as soon as they turn you over. The LAFC has a, has such gifted attacking players that, yeah. I mean, they can they can they can do essentially whatever they want in the final third. Now we've seen where they're deficient against Latan, right, <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, look the the, the last two matches for um, 
the last three match they they're they've only won one in the last two match uh, one in the last three matches. That last results are sorry, pulling it up, pulling it up. Well, they got scolded by Zlatan. So, uh, three three two lost to LA Galaxy. Then they the the week uh, week before that one nothing. Uh, sorry, three one win against the Houston Dynamo. And then a couple days before that, the one nothing loss against Portland. So it, this is. Yeah. So I guess it, to be fair, I guess I said that. So that's wrong. the U.S. Open Cup. It's, yeah. it's in all competitions. So right. that, that they lost those two matches. Be uh, Vancouver six one. Yeah, two of their three league matches. Beat Sporting KC five one. Colorado beat them somehow. Yeah, how the hell did that? Colorado happen? finds a way to just to mystify. Hunter Casey's a genius, but uh, <laughs> I mean, those, you look at score lines like that, and it's like. I mean, this again. You could have said 2017 Toronto was the best MLS team ever. You could have said 2018 Atlanta. This was. is this is you the could best say team. when this is all said and done, if this team wins the league, I think they take the cake. I mean, it really just points 2018 to the 2018 Red Bulls are the best team in MLS. Yeah, right. How'd that work out? Chris Armas blew it. Uh, oh yeah, no. The one thing I will say that that like I I hate for LAFC and their fans that the that the playoff format changed because this team one off easily man. is winning yeah. MLS Cup. Yeah. Is easily I mean, the, at the very least is easily the favorites. But now in a one off, now in a one off, you never know. Game. I mean, you lost to Colorado. I, I remember Atlanta like <laughs> anything could happen. Atlanta lost their first playoff game at home, pretty yeah. I don't know heavily favored, but favored over Columbus Crew. And be, that was a one off. By the same token, maybe you say if you've got home field advantage throughout the playoffs, there's much less of a chance that you drop maybe a first leg like a yeah. surprising result, pull a Red Bulls like I said, leg one uh, at Atlanta next year. So I think there's two sides to that. Uh, that maybe you know if if they and then we assume they're going to lock down that number one seed in the West. It actually plays into their hands a little bit, but at the same time, anything can happen in just ninety yeah. minutes, as we saw when they lost to RSL at home last year in the first round. Everyone's watching. Well, as the neutral and and across the nation, everyone will be watching. Everyone who is watching soccer on Friday night at ten o'clock on on the East Coast. He's going to be watching Carlos Vela versus Joseph Martinez. Back-to-back Friday night 10 o'clock games that I'm going to be watching. Because what the Traffico was, fr- was a Friday night, too. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Well, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, it was. Anyways, you've got Carlos Vela with 21 goals. Uh, Zlatan and Joseph tied for 16 apiece. Uh, the, the, the amazing thing about Carlos Vela is that he's not just scoring, but he's also creating a lot of chances for teammates. Well, he's teammates. like a wide, wide slash underneath player. It's crazy. He's got 12 he assists. I mean, it's easily crazy. MLS MVP right now. He's one yeah. away. He's one away from being both one assist away from being both the the goal leader and the assist leader in the league. I love. And you look at you look at sorry. You look no, at got, Diego Rossi. He's got 11 goals himself, so he's yeah. fifth on that list of and most goals. Diomande probably has six, maybe six or seven goals as well. I mean, they got a lot of guys that can find the back of the net. Um, so bunker Atlanta United. I, maybe I mean so I think what's so, so, somewhat. I think maybe it's a match where you look to counterattack a little bit more. Uh, oh, that's but, old school Atlanta United. Yeah, right yeah. As right you right go right to kind right of a Tata Martino, where yes, you're sitting back, but you're really thinking about how you're going to get attacked. Yeah. It's almost like quickly. a false bunker because you're trying to lull the other team exactly. into a sense of security yeah. before you counterattack. Okay, so no Tito. We're a little unsure if Bark was going to play. Who is that guy that's going to be initiating the counter? Right. Well, that's the big one, right? That's, if it's not Barco, it probably has to be so that's Hindman. My, sure. That's my biggest concern. Is Nagby. Hindman, Nagby, Rometty. You don't have anyone that has proven they can initiate. Outside of Barco and Tito, you have no one that who we don't know if they're playing. Well, we know Tito isn't, but we don't know if Barco's going to at least start the match. Um, you don't have anyone that's proven they can initiate a counter. Mm-hmm. Certainly not as well as you did the, over the last two years uh, prior um, and this year, the, the you know you thought it might be through pity, maybe not as 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 obviously as quick as as Almiron. Um, 
but maybe he could, through his passing, could find a way to yeah. get Joseph into open space. And realistically, Barco is that guy. We just don't know yeah. if if he's going to be good to go and 90, little reason, less start. The reason I bring it up, because you can't spend the first 60 minutes just bunkering and hoping that somehow no, you, you can pull it out of your butt. Against a team like that? <laughs> what? <laughs> just saying. Why, why does he think it's so funny and he said butt? He said butt and he started cracking up. No, no, he said pull it out of his butt. Well, I, I mean, come well, on, any, Anyways, so... Uh, funny. When he... <laughs> But you don't against a team. Yeah, I agree. So if you're, you agree with Cincinnati fun? with Eric with Eric. Uh, other than the 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 butt conclusion, I agree the with conclusion. the rest. Uh, that you y- you can sit back against a team like this, but you have to have a a, a way to get out sure. because you're not Cincinnati where it's like, well, we we just have to sit back and hope that they don't have a good day finishing. You have the attacking quality to get out and counterattack, and when you do that, it's going to make LAFC think twice about throwing bodies forward and trying to attack your bunkering uh, or 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 deep line uh, sitting defense. So th- that's the big question. I, that's a good point, Eric. Is because I think you, I would accept you're not going to win the possession battle in this game. LAFC oh, no. No, no, love no, 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 no. to possess the ball yeah. just as much, if not more so, Bob Bradley does than, than Frank DeBoer. And when you combine the fact you're on the road, you're playing a team that's so, so good, I think you've got to be set up for the counter. And the question is who is going to initiate that counter and get you forward? Because if you can't do that, you're just going to defend deeper and deeper and deeper. And at that point, you're just praying that Carlos Vela doesn't you know, find the back of the net. Some would wonder if maybe Dion Pereira is a guy that could start the counter. Could it, could it be the guy that could help initiate? See, I don't. Here's the thing. If, if I don't think so. I, one, I don't think so. Well, t- I'll put it this way: he hasn't proven he can do that. He's mm-hmm. uh, to be fair, he's not been in a position where he's has been asked to do that often, or he's had that opportunity. But on top of that, I don't know that this is a match you're going to put a young kid like him uh, in the starting eleven, especially if you go with a back three. This is more Miram, I think. Yeah, than Dion Pereira. And well, and, and unless Barco's, we'll, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of moving parts there for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. Look, Na- you know what? Now that I think about it, Nagby could be that guy. No, he's got he's got enough speed. Nagby, he could, he okay. Could spark so when you think of someone passing more than anything, that I think with Nagby can spring other people. That you, might be how he starts. You, I mean, when you think about guys that can start the counter, and and to go back to the Pereira comment, I just don't think he has the traits to do that. You look at guys that, first of all, you pretty much have to have. Pretty good pace, right? Because you've got to be able to get forward with the ball quickly. You've got to be able to play a good a good ball in behind the defense or up to one of your attackers. Pereira's not really that type of player, and I and I think the players that are like that, Miguel Amiron last year was obviously the perfect example of a guy that could come all the way back to the defense Absolutely. and carry it fifty yards forward, box to box. Barco is one of those guys. Dunnington Nagby is another one because he's a guy, you know, he's kind of slippery. It's hard to win the ball off him that can drive the team forward, take you from midfield into the last third. Um, but like you said, Eric, you, if it's not Barco and you assume Nagby's playing in a more defensive role, you're going to have to find someone to do that. It could be Julian Gressel playing a, a great through ball as we saw him doing all the time last year. But who and how you start that counter is going to be critical. Otherwise, you're just going to be defending for your life for 90 minutes. Joseph Martinez, on uh, if he's been able to watch Carlosville, I thought that was a funny quote, um, I think, after the last match. If I watch LAFC games, then I start to cry, so I just prefer to stay at home, have a glass <laughs> of rum, and have my cigar. Well, that, I mean, Should he be smoking during the season? Uh, I've always, <laughs> I've always, like, I've always. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even gonna say. I'm kidding. Maybe he's like Will Smith, you know, bite it for the look, don't light it, you know. 
Eric's trying awesome. to set me up, trying to get me to I say think, something I shouldn't. I, I just want somebody <laughs> to incite a Joseph versus Laton feud ahead of Atlanta LA okay, Galaxy. Okay, this is Eric. I mean, uh, Sam and I talked about this on the way. The question that Sebastian Salazar asked leading into the LA Galaxy totally LAFC a match, question. where of he says, he knew what Zlatan you know, was who's say. a better player, you or Carlos Vela? You know, com- it's basically like, here, do one of your Zlatanisms and criticize yeah. Carlos Vela. Here, yeah, here, here's the uh, alley to your oop. You wonder... Oh yeah, he teed him up. Is he going to get that high. same question about Joseph Martinez, who's even a more realistic comparison because they play the same position. And also much more personality-wise, because yeah. Vela, I mean, you could tell in Vela's response or supposed clap back at Zlatan, it's like, that was a very beta answer, dude. Like, you know, he's, oh, he's yeah. like, well, he didn't, he's, he's like, there's well, nothing he can say. Everyone knows I'm that Zlatan. <laughs> better player right Everyone now, knows Zlatan like, is better right. than, you know. And, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, if you gave that to, like, Zlatan, or, I mean, uh, to Joseph, he's going to be way more fiery about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so hopefully he doesn't get that layup question in the next 24 to four. Well, I don't know. Maybe he hopefully he does. It would be great television uh, if uh, Zlatan gets that question next week uh, le- leading leading <laughs> into that match. Uh, but for now, Not only you've got to deal with LAFC. And I mean, I think, I think, I mean, you guys said it. I mean, there's so many moving parts. How are you going to attack them? Is Barco fit? Who's going to be, how are you going to attack through the middle? Who, if you're not going to win the possession battle, how are you planning to get out and counterattack? Those are questions that not only are going to be tough to answer, but they're not questions that Land United have really had to answer this year. Because like you said, Eric, basically every, basically everyone you play is reacting to the way Atlanta plays. And at the very least, this is the first team where Atlanta really have to react to, to the way they play. And and that's completely counter to to Atlanta United's kind of mo is, is is like letting the other team do what they want and then finding a way forward. So you don't obviously don't want to give uh, LAFC the opportunity to set for for set pieces outside or anywhere near the box. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of. I I think this might be a game. Atlanta United fans are just you know do the best you can. Well, not I, like I, I'm giving Atlanta United a shot. Don't get me wrong. Oh, absolutely! But I think I think I think realistically, we're looking at hopefully a draw. Hmm. Is how a lot of people are going to be looking at this game because of how, one how good LAFC is, and I they're coming out the loss to LA Galaxy this year. They haven't. They, I don't think they've gone back to back losses this year. No. I'm I don't think I'm no, looking at it, but correct. I'm pretty sure given their record, um, you just don't want to give them an opportunity. And Atlanta United just isn't. Uh, while they're one of the better teams defensively over the course of the entire season, it, it's I, I feel like. I'm not going to call it a product of luck, but because they have done incredibly well defensively on an individual basis, I think they've get, they've shown enough uh, holes in in their uh, and I guess in their chemistry to where it can easily the, 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 they can easily be pulled apart. They can easily be um, become disorganized. And pretty easily scored on if you're if you do it the right way. And I, I think, definitely think easily scored on because their defending of Zlatan was very poor. I mean, look, Zlatan is great; he scored great goals, but a lot of the defending there was poor. The first well, one, I'm talking I'm, about Lane United defending, but no, no, but that's what I'm sure. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, it's it's there to be had. You know, when you're talking about this game in general, it's like Atlanta United. Yeah, they're going to have problems defending because this is the best scoring team in the league. But you know, on the other side, you know, their defense can be had too. We, we just saw it. Yeah, I mean, despite despite the statistics, I, if you have talent, and Atlanta United clearly have attacking talent, just like the Galaxy. My concern is that Atlanta United is going to be forced to do something they typically don't do, bunker, for large portions of the game, 
inevitably doing that when you haven't had a lot of actual game experience doing it against a team as talented as LAFC, LAFC is going to lead to errors somewhere. Yeah. It just for the lack of experience. No, you're going to At least yeah. in in-game situations, you just haven't done that enough to to really build up the, the, the confidence that you can... I mean, look, maybe I'm wrong and they can absolutely do it for the majority of the game, but you and I agree that they're not going to hold the, the lion's share of the possession this match. It is going to look pretty... Pretty, I think, gonna look pretty ugly for Atlanta United for the most part. It's unlikely you dictate the tempo of the game. Exactly. Yeah. You're 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 hoping for either LAFC to come in and play a bad game. You're hoping for mistakes for the most part. Not saying that Atlanta United is absolutely hopeless in this, but you're gonna have to pull something that or do something that maybe you haven't been asked to do much this season in trying to come out of a of a you know a a deep hole in your own defensive half in your own defensive third. You're gonna be asked to counter which. Sure, Lane United has shown they can do at times, but that's not their bread and butter. Yeah, well, so it's it's that's all part of the 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 going up against a team that one of the better teams in MLS. Yeah. You gotta you gotta face gotta face up to the challenge. And we'll see how Lane United does that. I think uh, it, I like the play. You know, play to your strength and don't because I've said this on this podcast I think a hundred times at this point. You know, really good teams don't always adjust to what the other team's gonna do. You know, they make whoever they're playing adjust to them. And, you know, if you're Atlanta United, it's like... And look, if Atlanta United can do that, great. That's a completely different outlook for the rest of the season. If they can take a team like LAFC and absolutely... And just go play your game. Exactly. And to play devil's advocate to your point, Eric. I don't know. I mean, you talk about teams uh, that are going to play the way they want and how it's so rare for Atlanta United uh, to, to, to be in this situation. I think LAFC, until playing the Galaxy last week, were in a similar situation where they were just able to, they were just so so much attacking talent. You go through, you know, you see six ones, five ones, three nils, four ones, but then they finally, and there aren't many teams like this, but they finally went up a team in the Galaxy who could kind of go toe-to-toe, and suddenly your great defense concedes three goals, and you lose. So maybe you could argue that LAFC's... Uh, they're going to have to get used to this experience of playing teams that can go toe-to-toe with them, too. And that could mean Atlanta United sitting back behind the ball. But they have the ability to counter and attack you and still score a lot of goals like that that way. And I don't think LAFC have played a team uh, just like Atlanta United haven't really played a team that can go toe-to-toe with them like this. So I will say LA Galaxy do play a lot more like like 2017-2018 Atlanta United Mm -hmm. than, um, uh, you know, at least now. And so uh, that does give me some kind of hope that maybe if Atlanta United can, again, find their inner 2017-2018, maybe they can play, they can they really spread this game out and maybe open it up much more than we think that we're giving them credit for, I think. Uh, I just, look, I, I've, I've watched this season, I just don't see that happening on Friday. I'm, I would be happy to be wrong. So if it does happen and like we see like, you know, like a PT Martinez have a great game and, and take another, you know, page turn here, you know, it could be a vital moment you know, for Atlanta United in this season. If you're going to... It's going to be a tough test. I mean, if you're going to make the leap, you have to start beating these types of teams. Absolutely. And the next two weeks are huge. So I'm not... I mean, I'm looking for performance too, Eric. I mean, aside from, you know, maybe you feel like you might be under pressure a little bit there. At the same time, I mean, this is we're the defending MLS Cup champs. There's plenty of talent on the roster. Mm -hmm. You're you're probably going to start PT Martinez. Hopefully you see big minutes from Barco. I don't see any reason Atlanta United can't kind of control this game, whether they're sitting off and playing a deeper line or they're trying to control the possession game. I don't see any reason that Atlanta United can't gain control. It's just that based on the performances we've seen from the two teams this season, 
you would imagine uh, that that LAFC would be able to control the tempo. But if you look player to player, uh, and you look at the fact you're getting healthy, maybe you find a new shape that works for you. Why can't this be the game where Atlanta United takes that next step where they really show their contenders for the cup again? I just think I look at Atlanta United, and I'm going to reiterate this for the last time. But they've been they been seemingly more prone to mistakes this year. If you're looking to uh, like a, uh, if you're essentially looking to a back five, who do we say the left back would be at that point? If you're looking I at, I mean, if if, if, if Ambrose isn't about, back, I think you're Parkers? probably looking at Parkers. Has so, to be. I mean, how often has he been really successful this season and even last season against really pacey mm-hmm. and a guy like Carlos Vela or a guy like Diego Rossi? Oof. I mean, <laughs> I don't like that matchup. How often have we seen? And I'm not saying he can't do it. That's not what I'm saying. But if if you're if you have to make a decision on who's going to win this match, and that's essentially we're just analyzing what we what we see essentially on on paper and in in, in what we've seen uh, in terms of uh, their matches, it's it's not the best matchup for Atlanta United. So it's it sounds like we're really down on the team, and and at least for, I guess from my point of view, it sounds like I'm not giving Atlanta United much hope. But yeah, but I wouldn't say it's a bad matchup. I would just say. Performance-wise, what you've seen, there's just no way that you can be considered the favorites compared to what LAFC has done and the fact that you're going to be on the road. I don't think it's like a bad matchup necessarily. I just think that LAFC have played much better this season than they're the home team. Okay, I guess that's what I'm no, saying. No, they just might, yeah, okay. No, I, <laughs> because, I'm not I mean, saying, look, I, I, I can see your I would, side. I would say that uh, uh, Michael Parker's going up against, against a guy like Carlos Vela, that's a bad matchup for Michael Parker's. I would tend to agree with that. <laughs> so that's the way I'm looking Cue at it. the alarm, hot take <laughs> alert. Uh, but that's a part of this. Is that's what I mean by is that? Is can you isolate those guys one v one with with a Parkhurst or with a Grassl if he's at right wing back, or even I think to an extent uh, with with a Franco Escobar if you're playing a back four and he. So people how are saying those guys people isolated? are saying Franco, and I'm like, okay, well, so that because what we're talking about is having a we're talking about having a back five. Whatever, three in the back, but it turns into a back five. Talking about Parkhurst, LGP, Miles, uh, Franco Escobar, and then Gressa would be that fifth on the right side. So are y'all saying... So if you want to switch... Uh, Escobar on the left, and then Parkhurst, LGP, uh, and Miles, the first... Is that what people are saying? Uh, I, are, I saw I saw one comment in the chat. So Escobar on the left, at left wing back, Gressa at right wing back. You could do that. Yeah. I think people really... And I mean... Escobar did play on the left side this past week. Couple, so Yeah, I mean, he's been there a little bit. He came off the bench once. It is very, very hard. And we, we, I talked about this. Uh, it might have been specifically about Escobar playing on the left back. It's very hard. It's not like a winger where you can kind of be left-footed and play on the left and then switch to the right and cut in and shoot. It's not like that for fullbacks. Uh, it's very difficult for a right back to play on the left side and vice versa. We saw that where that weird Brexhay Mikey Ambrose pairing no. on both sides. If you, <laughs> I heard that sound Sam made was perfectly indicative of what it looked like. It's very, very in a pinch. Yeah, I think Franco at left back, but it's very difficult for him to play there for a lot of reasons. He's not going to be able to just slide over there and play as well as he does at right you back. You also probably don't want to mess up the chemistry between Franco Escobar and Julian Gressel right now because of how good that has seemed. I think that's so the far. biggest thing. It's like, you know, it's not just about can a guy go play a position like for a game here and there. Yeah, sure. But you build a chemistry with the people on your side of the field. Yeah. And that's a big part. Yeah, I mean, and look, in a pinch, fine. But I think, first of all, you've got to find someone that can play over there anyway. So you might as well see if Parkhurst is game or even well, if I mean, he's done Ambrose it in this season. And, and he's, he's I mean, the next man up, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So, I mean, look. The and, only man up. So the really. other thing about the three five two is I think you need to get, you clearly have to get 
one, if not two, left-sided players that can play left wing back. Because George Bellow, we don't know exactly when he's going to be back. Michael Parkhurst doesn't fit there. He's right-footed. Uh, you know, uh, Breck Shea's out for the season, obviously. Mikey Ambrose having injury issues. If you're going to continue in this shape, you're, I think you're going to have to sign someone for maybe on the, on the right and left side of the field to play the wing back spot. You can go all Leroy Jenkins on this thing and just say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna concede five, or we're gonna go ahead and try to match your five. That's what I'm saying. You could you could totally do that. I don't Leroy know. Jenkins. <laughs> but putting Escobar at left back is not going to help chicken. you score more. Uh, oh, so I, I, I tend to push back on that because people say that a lot. Just just put Franco on the left. It's so tough. Like your body shape is totally different as a defender when you switch sides. And the most important thing is, and I'll, I'll try to explain this individually as I can. If you're on the left and the ball's on your right foot, it's a lot harder to shield it away from the defense, so it's a lot easier to lose the ball in the back. Uh, when, when, if you're playing on that. the left <laughs> side, of the, if you're playing on like the, towards the left touch line, the ball's on your right foot, you got to get around the ball to kind of shield it. That's okay if you're an attacking player in the last third because you can lose the ball every now and then there, and there's the threat of you shooting if you're cutting in, say, from the left onto your right foot. There's no threat of that in the back, so it becomes a lot easier to defend you, high-press you, and force you into mistakes on the ball, aside from the fact that you have to completely change your body shape and angles when you're defending. Message of the night goes to Jenna. She says, I had a really inappropriate comment about being able to watch Vela and Escobar go at it. Oh, boy. Mm. 2019. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> what was that, the comment? She goes on to say, I'll keep that to myself. Oh, please. I want to know. I <laughs> um, you can DM Josh. So that match- I have no idea what you're talking about, Jenna. I what is she talking about? Okay, we need some sort of like emergency button that just diverts our topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I really, I really don't get it. Josh is over here saying this have to do with Eric's pulling stuff out of his butt. I will abruptly divert the topic to Josh over here saying I'll try and explain it as simply <laughs> as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, for you peasants out there, I, 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 really, I really don't know. I think like it'd be a I great do. matchup, Villa and Escobar. <laughs> <laughs> um, that matchup, uh, Friday, ten o'clock. Uh, so let's let's get ready for that one. Thankfully, yeah. they got a full week off or a full week of rest, and uh, before they got to play LA Galaxy Saturday that after one. that. So August third, man. I, I I tweeted this, but like. I was with my dad and my brother and my nephew and were all kind of in the bowels of the stadium getting ready for the game, and Darren Eels walks uh, by us. So I stopped him. We talked for a minute, and uh, you know my family I thought I was pretty cool that you know Darren would stop <laughs> and talk to me. So I just wanted to really just show That's off That's great. Your family thinks you're cool. Right, right. I just my, wanted to my show My mom off. thinks I'm cool, too. So <laughs> I just wanted to show off in front of them. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, that was one of the things, because he, he was the one that dropped the, the bird in my ear, the Rooney one playing. So I was like... We got to have Zlatan, and, and, and from what Darren said, he was basically like, "Well, he did play against Minnesota, you know, earlier mm-hmm. this year." So, mm-hmm. if that's any indication, it's like, "Well, the turf monster didn't claim him then, so it would be great." And plus, that's why I want somebody in the media to say something to Joseph to get him to say something inflammatory about Zlatan, so that'll like make Zlatan mad, <laughs> and then Zlatan will play. Can't it's gonna, that's going to be a when great ask about week. LAFC and Carlos Vela. He, he talked about crying, so I don't know. I don't know how that's going to well, pan no, out. But he did also <laughs> react when when Zlatan said some things uh, about you know being the best or whatever. Didn't Joseph like do like a, a zipping his lips motion like when they were talking to him? So I mean you know I think there's probably something there. Joseph probably feels 
you know, the type of player he is, I'm sure he wouldn't mind getting into a verbal fracas. Look, ninetieth uh, minute, ninetieth minute. I wouldn't mind if LGP got a got a red card uh, for doing something stupid to Zlatan. Come on, Eric. I'm just saying. You guys are the cowards. You know that means he's suspended for the next game. You guys were the cowards against a guy like radio show. We don't want Zlatan to play. Oh, I don't want any pizza. No, I don't want Zlatan to play. He is horrifying. I have and he's I, big and strong hope, and scores goals and first minute he goes down, scrapes his knee, turf monster got him and he's out for the rest of the match. I hope that's what happens. What did you guys? So th- you're wishing their best player get injured? Should we address I the elbow? That's a great way to taunt the I'm dread hoping, guy. Here. I'm hoping he scrapes his knee. Joe, so and he goes that's out enough. of the game on a scrape. That's knee. enough okay. because it's turf and the turf monster got him. That's enough to get him out of the game. <laughs> Should we address the elbow before we? Uh, before hey, we go? Yeah. dude, skull. So here's the thing. Yeah, dense the. Uh, if you missed it, go watch the videos. Latan elbows the hell. I forget the player's name. Almunia. Okay, Almunia, who was on Orlando last year? Uh, dense the guy's head with an elbow. Hey, look, if you're gonna clearly, there's some force behind that elbow. If you're gonna, if you end up denting the guy's head, I think he had surgery on the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then no additional. So VAR missed it. Then no. Well, first of all, it's VR missed it because Latan is is in the picture. And it was the end of the match, and I just the because general Latan is is a MLS god, and he somehow blinded the referee or changed the image on the screen so that that the the referee saw something completely different. Because there's no way, there's no other player in this universe that that would happen to, and and he'd still be on the field. That's like the frozen the, envelope argument. No other player like on the this Knicks universe. Draft. Like the, the the ref went into like VAR, and instead he got like an episode of Barney or something. It's like, <laughs> well, I guess Lotton didn't do anything wrong here. <laughs> so it probably should have gone to to VAR. I think it should have gone to VAR. Should or, have been a red. I guess he should be officially ex- reviewed. He, he should. He should. Well, have did you think he should have been? Games. I don't necessarily think. I, I don't know if he did it on purpose. Yeah, it doesn't. But it doesn't matter. We've seen red cards done for less. But after the fact? Yeah, the game's over. Uh, We've seen some silly ones. We've seen some silly ones after the fact, to be fair. I mean, I don't want to defend MLS uh, refereeing and pro too much. on a red card, you should have done it for just the absolute, like, dragging he does of Bob Bradley after the game when he's going up to the, like, LAFC bench and telling him to go home, you little bleeps. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just I don't I don't like the fact that he one gets the pass and two MLS comes out and gives him a warning, meaning we did know we know that you you uh, you did do something wrong, but we're gonna give you a warning this time because you're Slatan. That to me sends an even worse message than not than not well, getting so out of the game. Not even the worst non-punishment of the week. Shout out to the NFL for getting another thing hilariously wrong. But it's just one of those things where I just, again, I, I don't think necessarily anything was warranted. Yeah, it stinks for that dude. He got his skull dented. But, A, like Josh said, I mean, after the get, what what do you do? Like, how how long does the jurisdiction of like, I, I a just, referee I just last? feel like it was hard to prove he definitely did it on purpose. And seen, if, intent is always hard We've seen red cards given for less. After the fact, though? Uh, no, I'm not saying during the match. If we want to go after the officials, that's fine. But the big well, story wait, today is that he's well, not suspended after the fact. The two Biggest, biggest VAR, I don't know how you missed this, moments, is uh, Lorenowitz throwing whoever he threw uh, in the... Uh, well, then he got a red card like two minutes later, so... Yeah, but that, who the were they playing? Bulls? I forget who they... Uh, red Bulls. That was recently, yeah. He was very angry. And then uh, and then this. This elbow from, from Ooh, I've, These I've are the two biggest misses. I've seen worse. And I've I'm seen like... Worse. I've seen worse. Recently? Well, last year had Tomas Martinez everything? hitting the guy in the face off the ball that didn't go. I mean, sure, but you could claim VAR still new. We're well into VAR. The Chris I McCann mean, shoot, one where they last year Atlanta where United on Atlanta United violence when a uh, uh, pity slap mirror after the game. You know, 
where, where Miram slapped Pete, you mean? Where he came from behind him and grabbed him by the No, neck. Miram grabbed him by the hair and Pete turned around and slapped him in the face. Oh, right. Anyways, so <laughs> re- that, that relevant. Was after, that was after the game, so it's not a big deal. Uh, but this was after the elbow was so after the game? I, I know I'm in the minority on this, but That's I, what I'm saying. I, I uh, feel like you just you couldn't prove. I mean, Zlatan's a big guy. When you're that big, guys run into your elbows when you're kind of you know holding your hands up, protecting yourself. I tend to think, I mean, you can't prove he did it on on purpose, and that's why you can't, after the fact, suspend him. Now, what you should have done is had the referee go to VAR, and then it's kind of up to his discretion. But again, it's still after the game. Why are you going to VAR? He saw it on the field. No, no, no. no. This would be during the Yeah, yeah, during the game, yeah. The dude was down for like five, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. and it was in stoppage time. Yeah, so I don't really know. But after the fact, so I think the warning thing, Eric, is basically saying, because Latan is the master of the dark arts where he could do something like that and you can't really tell if he means it or not because it's not like a blatant like elbow like with a lot of force oh that's just Zlatan being Zlatan he put his elbow up and defended himself and he's huge so it caused a lot more damage maybe than he intended to Almunia I don't think that he necessarily did it on purpose but I don't think he's like 100% innocent completely innocent right but you have to be 100% guilty if you're going to give a red after the fact it's not like, based on how we've seen red cards given in the past. Well, I don't want to. Well, it should be. <laughs> he's talking about more after I think, what the it game. Should be not like, necessarily retroactive what we've seen. reds. Precedent but doesn't see, necessarily see, here's the thing. prove. We're rightness. talking about two different things. I'm not talking. I'm talking about in the moment. Like, that that wasn't missed. That wasn't missed by VAR. Yeah, the no, dude I checked it. The dude, know, know. the dude upstairs checked it, and he was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I would like to hear the explanation Zlatan, for so sure. VAR <laughs> loves the Zlatan. But I do yeah. want to say, that I think the warning thing, if we read between the lines, the warning that Zlatan got from the league, what they're saying is, if you do something like that again, where we, maybe we can't really tell, we're going to no, say gonna your reputation precedes yeah. you, and, and this time we're going to suspend you. So I, that's what I think the warning I've means. Never is, seen, I've never seen the league give out a warning. No, me neither. No. That's, no, I, that's I mean, pathetic. Well, look, the MLS, it's not like this isn't a league that we Throw some balls. Suspend up. arguably the greatest player MLS but has. I don't it's not that we haven't seen them make things up on the fly before. This league has done that. So I mean, you know, just because something's written down or a rule doesn't mean it's always. I just don't. I, I hate. I hate the idea of, of of people calling MLS a joke, and 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 it's already got an uphill battle in that regard anyway. And this just makes it worse. Like you want to call, you don't want to be a retirement league. This is literally what you make it look like when Sultan is allowed to do something like this and nothing happens, intentional or not. I don't care. We've seen it. We've seen red cards and suspensions given yeah. for worse, and he was or for less. Let's stop and forget though, Eric. He was suspended retroactively yeah. last year, and I can't remember if it was an elbow or some some sort of was. other histrionics. I'd like to compare, maybe. Uh, so that's a good point brought up in in the chat. Is technically he's already been warned about oh. this type of behavior. He was suspended <laughs> for it last year, so. Who knows what's going on? MLS we could do another MLS. two hours on what's going on with MLS. I think and Pro. this comment is uh, sarcastic, but I 100% actually agree with this comment. How dare that guy slam his head into Zlatan's elbow? <laughs> exactly. Don't mess with Zlatan. You'll be fine. Stay away from him. Well, yeah. I mean, that, just, that, that I can agree with. Don't mess, don't mess with Zlatan. Don't, don't put yourself in a position. Yeah. But once you're there, don't expect any punishment going Zlatan. I can't. I mean, look. <laughs> Obviously, as an Atlanta United fan, I want them to win every game. But as a fan of soccer, you guys don't want to see Zlatan. Sure, as a neutral. But are you not an Atlanta United fan? I am. But I don't. I, I like. Look, I know that 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 Atlanta United, as it's, it's as it's constructed right now, probably as an uphill fight against Latan. I don't right think now. Atlanta United winning or losing a game to LAFC in August, though, is going to be what determines the rest of their season. I want. Have them you to try seen to how the close? Best. 
the Eastern Conference is? It is close. Have you seen the rest of the schedule? I'm just saying. I would rather not have Zlatan in the picture right now. This could be the only chance you ever have to see Zlatan Ibrahimovic in your life. That's all I'm saying. In a sporting mode, I want to see Atlanta United beat the best. You know what I don't want? I don't want want him to have an El Trafico moment against us. Well, I don't want that either. (laughs) I don't want him to have, I don't want to be in the picture at all. I want the Turf Monster to get a minute in. He was so good in that game. Find a way, Turf Monster. If Mercedes-Benz is good to us, somehow, some way, it'll keep coming up with funky ass shit every single day. Okay. Anything else, guys? <laughs> uh, yeah, what? He another butt weird butt comment by Eric. He's uh, with gin and juice on him, man. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? Eric has been on something and else. And we're tonight. now after dark. I have one quick rant before we go. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, oh boy. And I saved it for the end because it's about Atlanta United 2, and no one wants to hear about this. Um, Nobody wants to hear about Atlanta United 2, no, exactly. No, All right, so, that's so it. This you can, you can, podcast. you can, you can just turn this off if you want. <laughs> I'm, I think the, uh, the, there is so much criticism been levied at Atlanta United 2 for their results, for not having a style of play, for not having an identity. People, let's accept what this team is. It's only there. To keep first teamers fresh, Player to keep a Mikey Ambrose playing, to keep a Brandon Vasquez playing, and we saw this year Brandon Vasquez came into the lineup, and if he was not getting minutes with Atlanta United too, same with Dion Pereira, they might have looked a lot rustier when they did come in. The other part is to get academy players minutes and to get young yeah. players professional that minutes. Development. There is no absolutely no. Uh, the team is not trying really to win. Their results are irrelevant. The, the results are irrelevant. And to the point where, like, and I hear people, what's their style of play? What's their identity? Why are people, you know, we're, we're getting blown out? They and, don't you know, really need problem. any of that stuff. Who cares? Yeah. To me, you could go lose every game if this is what the intention of your team is. You could go lose 4-5-0 every week, and in the end, you're able to plug in a Dion Pereira in a pinch earlier in the season because he's been playing with the twos. You're able to get experience for a guy like George Campbell at a professional level, a homegrown player. It's not about winning. It's not even about a style of play. It's not a priority for Atlanta United. That's the reason they hardly market the team is because this is just like a reserve team for them to play practice matches in. Does that mean they should move down to USL League 1? Maybe so, but let's stop criticizing them on results style of play, things like that, because that is not what this team is about, and I don't think it's ever what they're going to be about. Atlanta United 2 is a preseason NFL game. That's essentially what it is. Like, like it's, yeah. the, the results are irrelevant. You're using it to get players ready. You're using it to rehab players. You're so just don't it. watch. The, exactly. I mean, just don't watch. I mean, people t- are turning off fans. Why is anyone going to go out there? I think if the team could play every game behind closed doors, I, I think they, they would. would. Yeah. I don't think they, they care. I, I, they, I'm sure they would like fans there, but the ulti- the, the the attendance numbers... It's not about that, yeah. Don't, it's not really about care. that. It's about being able to slide, you know, to, to, to have guys rehab. It's about uh, being able to keep guys fresh that aren't playing a lot. It's about giving young guys minutes. It's about nothing else whatsoever. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? That was mine. All right, cool. Sam? No, I got nothing. Right. I mean, I'm, there's so many things spinning around my head right now about some of the stuff that has happened on this episode. Some of the stuff that Eric said. <laughs> look, every episode. Look, I, I I warned you guys before we started that I'm I'm running on fumes today. So, you're welcome. Twitter handles. Uh, you can find me at Eric G. Quintana on Twitter. You can find me at Josh B. 914. At Sam J. Franco for yours truly. Follow the podcast at MOTS Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, MOTS Podcast on YouTube, Facebook page, uh, Instagram, and I think that's it. All right. That does it for us. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta. Don't dent your skull. <laughs> <laughs>